The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. The effort to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has failed. Ed Baxter with that story and more from San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, busy day in the House today, Brian. A few Republicans joined with Democrats to defeat the GOP drive, arguing that discontent with Mayorkas did not meet the constitutional threshold for removal from office. The vote was close, 214 to 216, not enough. Now, it all needs to be um, uh, sorted out because they're talking about uh, re-looking at this possibly as early as tomorrow. And Congressman Ken Buck said at first it was tied at 215, and then Speaker Johnson changed his vote to no, and it failed. That's not been explained as of yet. The House has failed to pass the standalone Israel funding package as well. The bill failed on a 250 to 180 vote and needed two-thirds to pass. So this is intertwined, of course, with the border and the border bill, all but doomed to failure tomorrow. Tomorrow in the Senate, President Joe Biden is out blaming Donald Trump. Biden says it had bipartisan approval until Trump stepped in, says the GOP should just be ashamed of itself. Just at the moment, we're going to secure the border and fund these other programs. Trump and the MAGA Republicans said no, because they're afraid of Donald Trump. And he says uh, there are provisions in the bill that make it the most comprehensive border package in U.S. history. 100 cutting-edge machines to detect and stop fentanyl at the southwest border. We have that capacity. Plus stop the flow of immigrants. This bill would also give me as president the emergency authority to temporarily shut down the border when it becomes overwhelmed. The numbers are talking over 5,000 people trying to get in one day. The bill... If the bill were law today, it would qualify to be shut down right now. And he says the world is watching regarding aid to Ukraine and Israel and Taiwan. The stakes on this fight extend well beyond Ukraine. If we don't stop Putin's appetite for power and control in Ukraine, he won't limit himself to just Ukraine. So this did nothing to, uh, well, quell the pure politics, the atmosphere. Bloomberg's Rick Davis. I think he could have avoided. I mean, this is almost like the bill's dead and I'm going to blame somebody. Not my last chance to try and get the bill across the, the goal line. And, and you know, mm. you, you wonder why wasn't this done the day the bill was announced and give it some cover. And Bloomberg's Ginny Shanzano says, though. There are three things Donald Trump wants to run on. Border, economy, and crime. The economy is getting away from Donald Trump because the numbers look very good. So now he's trying to take credit of it for it. If he loses the border, he can only run on crime. He doesn't want that to happen. The vote's still scheduled for tomorrow. NTSB reporting today the dramatic incident where a panel blew out of the Boeing 737 MAX 9 jet was missing bolts that hadn't been properly attached. Report says four bolts that acted as a fail-safe mechanism to hold the panel in place weren't even installed. Donald Trump has been denied immunity in the D.C. election interference case. It can be prosecuted, and the DOJ is preparing to release a special counsel report that is critical of how President Biden and his aides mishandled classified documents, but that there's no plan for criminal charges. Global News, 24 hours a day, and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg, B.C. 
All right. Thanks very much, Ed. It is now six and a half minutes past the hour. Brian Curtis, Doug Krisner, and we are looking at uh, the top business stories of the hour. Well, as mentioned by Doug a few moments ago, Moody's Investors Service has cut New York Community Bank Court's credit raid grade to junk. NYCB shares down double digits today for the fourth time in five days. The stock now slumping 60 percent since last week. The route has erased roughly four and a half billion dollars from the bank's market capitalization. Today, NYCB shares were down 22 percent. It's the lowest level since 1997. Investors have dumped the shares over concerns about the bank's exposure to commercial real estate. In testimony before the House Financial Services Committee today, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said some firms may face challenges. I do have a concern about commercial real estate. I believe it's manageable, although there may be some institutions that are quite stressed by this problem. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Yellen also said that U.S. regulators are working to ensure that loan loss reserves and liquidity levels in the financial system are adequate to cope with those real estate losses. We go to China next, where investor confidence seems to be rising. The hope is for a stronger government action to end the route that we have seen in the Chinese stock market. We have more from Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann in Hong Kong. The anticipation follows a Bloomberg report that regulators are planning to brief President Xi Jinping on the issue. It's seen as underscoring the urgency of staving off a further route in Chinese assets. Even so, it's not clear if the president will see fit to provide additional support. But policymakers are hoping to stabilize markets before the Lunar New Year holiday to build confidence. It's also unclear if investors will buy into the story, given the many previous false dawns. But the Nasdaq Golden Dragon Index did gain nearly 6% in New York. One other quick point, China's central Huijing Investment has stated it will buy more ETFs. In Hong Kong, I'm Yvonne Mann, Bloomberg Radio. TSMC is planning to build a second chip fabrication plant in Japan. That's as it looks to expand output in the country. TSMC said Toyota Motor will also join as a new investor of JASM. That's TSMC's manufacturing subsidiary in Kumamoto. TSMC will also inject as much as $5.26 billion in JASM. The new plant is scheduled to begin operation by the end of 2027. Bloomberg is also reporting that TSMC MC is considering a third fabrication facility in Japan. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Well, joining us now on the program is Herman Chan, Bloomberg Intelligence Senior Analyst on U.S. Regional Banks, to take a closer look at Janet Yellen's testimony and the latest on NYCB. So a new fallen angel. Uh, that's interesting. Um, this cut by Moody's is going to make it even more costly for NYCB to to raise money. And the tricky aspect, Herman, is that even if it does raise market funding in relation to deposits, then it will likely get cut again by Moody's. So it really needs to raise deposits. And can it do so under these current conditions? Yeah, that's the, going to be the question. And um, the Moody's downgrade really underscores the predicament that uh, NYCB is in currently where they need to adhere to tougher regulatory rules now that it cleared the $100 billion asset mark uh, with the uh, 
geo first signatures uh assets and deposits last year that was brokered by the fdic um so they've shore up their capital they need to build up their liquidity and the current uh, market unease with the shares really makes that difficult to really uh, stabilize their funding base just imagine that there are some jitty jitty uh, 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 um, remove some of their deposits from new york community so they'll need to staunch that potential outflow so it's going to be the one-year anniversary of uh, the crisis within a couple of regional banks when we get to the month of march so next month it's hard to believe um and one of the things that i'm wondering about now is whether or not it's an isolated situation where we're talking about nycb i mean when you hear the testimony right. from yellen talking about a worry the implication or the suggestion is that there is a mild systemic risk going on right now as it relates to commercial real estate. Do I have that wrong? No, you do have that correct. Um, what's interesting is that uh, overall, the, the banking system remains sound and there are issues with commercial real estate, specific office commercial real estate that will continue to produce losses. So one of the reasons that your community is under the microscope is they had two fairly large commercial real estate losses in the fourth quarter, which exacerbated the need to shore up the balance sheet ahead of the stress test later this year. Um, that's going to be a risk for the system, uh, but it's going to be a manageable risk. And looking at the regional banks that I cover, it's about two to three percent of the total loan. So it's going to be an issue, but it's going to be manageable for for the um, the, the space that I cover. What, but nonetheless, there will be lumpiness within performance this year, and we'd expect uh, higher loan losses uh, for for the regional banks in 2024. Yeah, as was mentioned, uh, to a certain degree, it's a little out of their control for NYCB, uh, what's happened in uh, the commercial real estate market. But what is in their control is their rapid expansion. Is there any sense that they that they expanded too quickly? I, I wouldn't characterize it that way. I would say that they were being advantageous at the time last year when they were viewed as one of the saviors and one of the winners of the of the banking turmoil when they stepped in to acquire signature banks assets and deposits. I do think they were dealt a bad hand by the regulators, where the regulators really pushed them to accelerate um, how they manage their balance sheet and their businesses to meet some of the requirements of a $100 billion asset type financial institution. And it didn't give them a lot of time to really grow into that. And now the, the, the repercussions of that is just this market uncertainty that we've seen over the past few days. One of the things that I'm wondering about also is I'm listening to you and putting what you're saying in the context of what we heard today from a couple of Fed officials. They're very cautious right now on kind of beginning the process of making credit easy or less expensive vis-a-vis -vis lower mm -hmm. interest rates. 
And I'm wondering whether or not the Fed sees potential stress building and they are going to leap at the first opportunity if they feel confident that inflation is under control, that they're not going to waste time in trying to trace or take some of the the stress out of credit markets through a, a cut in interest rates. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the banks would welcome a cut in interest rates for two reasons. One, it would reduce their funding costs and really shore up uh, their net interest margins. That's seen um, some de- deterioration with rates as elevated as they are. And number two, it'll just help with refinancing risk as you know, lower rates will you know, shore up some of the potential hurdles with um, real estate refinancing and lower rates will help that being able to uh, to deal with uh, lower credit, uh, lower interest rate costs would be would be helpful for a lot of the commercial real estate borrowers that are facing maturing loans this year and the next few years ahead. Herman, what's your sense of, of who's the most vulnerable here? The regional banks, the mall operators, the REITs? Uh, what corner of the marketplace is really exposed? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Uh, for, for the banking system, really, the smaller in size you get, typically the higher exposure to commercial real estate. So uh, you can think, for example, the, the biggest regionals that I cover, like a PNC or a U.S. bank, have much smaller commercial real estate exposure to um, smaller regional community banks because that's really the, their bread and butter business. And banks like J.P. Morgan have a much diversified operation, so any sort of charge-offs and loan losses in commercial real estate could be readily absorbed. Um, and then it's just going to be you know, the, the REITs will have some exposure, commercial uh, uh, CMBS will will have some losses, so it's going to be spread out across the financial system. But it remains to be seen who's really going to be holding the bag. Yeah, last March uh, you'll remember well. I mean, with the stress that we had from Signature and a couple of the other uh, characters at the time, I mean, it created an opportunity. There was a bit of consolidation. Do you think that we could be looking at another phase where stronger banks acquire weaker ones? I mean, there might there be a little bit more consolidation consolidation happening within maybe just the regional bank arena or where larger money center banks kind of take a a look at some of the regional players as well? Yeah, that's that's a very good question. And I think it's an apt one given where we are today. Um, It's still early to say um, what's interesting. What the market is telling us is that some of the more neat niche uh, regional banks that were operating just a few years ago are not no longer in it, it have are no longer in play anymore. Banks like SVB and First Republic and Signature Bank had very narrow business operations. For example, SVB was focused on Silicon Valley and lending to startups and private equity venture capital. Uh, Signature was focused on commercial real estate and crypto, and First Republic was focused on high net worth. And if you throw New York Community in there, it's focused on rent-regulated apartments in New York City. That's their bread and butter business. So what the market's saying is telling us is that banks in the current backdrop need to be much more diversified businesses. So any sort of losses in certain areas could be readily absorbed. 
This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.